Thank you for listening to the sermon podcast of the Potter's House in Virginia Beach. church with a worldwide vision for winning souls, making disciples, and planting churches. We're a Pentecostal church affiliated with the Christian Fellowship Ministries. We hope you enjoy today's sermon. I believe that God is going to help us in a powerful way tonight. Amen. Let's open up our Bibles this evening. I want you to open up with me to Leviticus chapter 16. If you would this evening, Leviticus Chapter 16. Hallelujah. And as we come tonight into the house of God, into we begin to look in the word of God, I want to uh, I want to believe God with you for just a few moments this evening. Um, Today is a very special day. Well, technically yesterday, according to the Jewish calendar, uh, yesterday beginning at sundown until today at sundown was a very, very special day on the Jewish calendar. It's the most holy day of the year. And even now, as we are speaking tonight, after the sun has set and the new day has begun for the Jews, there is a great feast and a celebration taking place even at this moment. The name of this holiday that has just passed is called the Day of Atonement, also known as Yom Kippur. And it is the most holy and special holiday on the Jewish calendar. In fact, if you had been in Israel for this holiday, there would have been no cars on the freeway. There would have been no businesses open. There would have been no government offices open. There would have been no activity out on the streets because everyone, and I do mean everyone, would be in synagogue for five services for the entire day. It's a holy day and a a process that has started 10 days ago, beginning with Rosh Hashanah, the first day of the Jewish New Year. And now here we are 10 days later, and, uh, and, and what it is, is it's a celebration, and it's a day of understanding that God forgives people's sins. In fact, in 1973, it was on this day that an air raid siren was sounded on the afternoon of Yom Kippur, and radio broadcasts were resumed in order to alert the public to the surprise attack on Israel by Egypt and Syria. We now know it as the Yom Kippur War. They took advantage of that day, but I tell you, they did not succeed. But I want to share this truth with you tonight, that there is great power in understanding what it means to be atoned by God, to have our sins 
atoned. And I want to share with you this truth from Leviticus chapter 16, uh, just a couple verses from 29 and 30. Listen carefully tonight. This shall be a statute for you, forever for you. In the seventh month, on the tenth day of the month, you shall afflict your souls and do no work at all, whether a native of your own country or a stranger who dwells among you. For on that day, the priest shall make atonement for you to cleanse you, that you may be clean from all your sins before the Lord. Let's pray for just a moment tonight. Father, we come by the blood of Jesus asking your grace and mercy tonight. We thank you that you have made atonement possible for our sins, that the guilt can be washed away tonight. And I pray, God, that you'd give us a heavenly perspective on this truth in Jesus' mighty name. That's people would say, amen. I want to talk, first of all, about self-affliction. Because in our scripture, it makes a very interesting statement about this day of atonement. This day where Jews celebrate the atoning of their sins, the washing away by the blood of Jesus. And it's said as a, as a way to observe and a way to understand how important this is, that you shall afflict your soul. This is how God wanted the Jews to mark this special holiday, to afflict your soul. You say, what does that mean? Good question. To afflict your soul, well, the Jewish people on Yom Kippur, they, this is a day of fasting for them. And when we say day of fasting, it's, it's not exactly like our day of, of fasting. They say no food, and also they say no water. So beginning at sundown yesterday, the faithful Jewish people would have no food and no water. It was a solemn observance. It was an affliction of their soul. But it's more than just that. It is a way for them to internalize and to begin to to feel the guilt of their own sins. As I mentioned, for the 10 days leading up to Yom Kippur, it's a time where the Jews will go to people as uh, people that perhaps they've offended, people that they've rubbed shoulders with, and they begin to ask everyone around them for forgiveness. They begin to repent. It's a 10-day-long repentance leading up to this Day of Atonement because the thought is, if I can get right with all of the people around me, then on this day, I can turn to God and say, God, I've tried to make it right with the world and the people around me. Now I want to make it right with you. And this is the way that they afflict their soul. But this this stands in glaring contrast to the rest of the world. And I'll tell you how tonight. Because if one does not practice this soul affliction, there will be a different kind of affliction in your life. Because the truth about sin is that it always leads to guilt. Am I right? No matter how we might deny it or run away from it, every sin leads to death. But before the death occurs, we are filled with a sense of guilt and self-condemnation. That's because our conscience testifies against us and tells us that God is right. That's why when Adam and Eve sinned in the garden, the very first thing they did was what? They ran and hid from God, right? 
And that's because there was, there was a condemnation in their hearts. They understood they had done something wrong. And that sin began to afflict them. I want to tell you that the world around us tonight is filled with self-affliction. Because the truth is, if we do not afflict our souls in repentance and in seeking God, then we will afflict ourselves in other ways. Stick with me tonight, because this is a powerful truth. There is a strange phenomenon happening in our post-Christian society that we live in. We are living in a culture now where the pagan rituals of uh, uh, cultures and uh, barbaric cultures around the world are coming to the West. We are living in a culture where tattoos, piercings, bodily mo- uh, modifications, where uh, transgenderism, uh, ad- addictions of all sorts are on the rampage, continue to rise in popularity. And the more you begin to study this trend, the more you will figure out that the reason that people begin to afflict themselves is because, ironically, there is a certain amount of comfort in hurting yourself. Especially for people who find themselves in depression, people who've experienced incredible rejection in their lives, people who have been sexually assaulted, people who have uh, uh, been involved in in wickedness and, and, and sin, and whether it's their own fault or the fault of another, many times you, you follow this down the road. If you see someone who is afflicted in their mind and in their body, you can many times trace it back to a grievous sin that was committed by them or another. You've seen people who cut themselves, people who starve themselves, people who purge eating disorders. It's a curious tendency in the sinful human heart that when we begin to feel pain, anguish, depression, or stress, there is something attractive about physical pain. It begins to relieve our negative guilty emotions. This is not new. God knew that this was going to be an issue in our hearts. That's why he warned against this kind of behavior. Deuteronomy 14.1 says, Since you are the people of the Lord your God, do not cut yourselves. This was the practice of pagan people around them, but God says this is not how you should treat your bodies. Your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit, as it says in the New Testament, and we ought not be cutting ourselves and harming ourselves. Leviticus 19.28, do not cut your bodies, do not mark your skin with tattoos. Now, I'm not saying tonight that if you have a tattoo, you've got a place reserved for you in hell or something like that. But I am saying tonight that the reason that there is such an uptick and such a growing trend for bodily harm, it is linked right here. Because there are so many people who refuse to humble themselves and seek forgiveness of a holy God, so there is a residual guilt from past sin. And maybe even subconsciously, deep down, without even realizing it, they feel that there is a need to pay a price. 
And that price is paid through self-harm. Have you seen people who harm themselves? Maybe, maybe if not physically, they harm themselves emotionally. Have you ever known someone who, when stress and anxiety or guilt begins to rise up, they begin to speak evil against themselves? Things that you would never say about another person. Oh, they're just so stupid and ugly and they couldn't do anything right. But you'll say it about yourself. That is a form of self-harm. It's a form of self-pity. It's a way of releasing this guilt that has been pent up. Have you seen children who smack themselves in the face or bang their head on the wall? This could be a way of gaining attention, but it also could be a way of expressing the, the, the knowledge that they have done something wrong and they don't see another way of punishing themselves. There are people who drink away their sorrows, who pop the pills to numb the pain. This is a classic behavior of the spirit of rejection that says, I'll destroy myself before you have a chance to hurt me. All of these tonight is nothing more than us afflicting our bodies, our minds, our emotions because we will not afflict our souls. Here's the, the, the basic understanding tonight. Every sin has a need for atonement. Every sin has a need for atonement. Either our sins will be attempted to be atoned on our own. Doesn't work out very well. Or we can go to the Lord and seek atonement from him. I was surprised to find that there is actually a church on the books. A church that is called the Church of Bodily Modification. They even have a Bible, a faith statement, a book. And that inside this book is a statement of faith. It's incredible. He argues, uh, the author of this book argues that the experience of ritual pain is not a form of madness or superstition, but there is a hidden rationality and can bring about a profound transformation of the consciousness and identity of the spiritual seeker. And without going too far into it, I don't want to give anybody any, any ideas tonight. But I tell you, there is something spiritual about self-harm. And it is linked to this truth tonight that we as human beings, there is a desperate need to experience vengeance for wrongdoing. When you see wrong happening in the world... It's as if you are pre-programmed to want to see that wrong made right. Are you with me? When you see things happening and you know that they are wrong, in your heart of hearts there is part of you that desperately wants to see that wrong made right. That's true outside of yourself, but it's also true inside of yourself. And so when we find ourselves faced with our own shortcomings, our own sins, 
our own failures and our own faults, what can happen is that same desire for vengeance can turn its head right back on us. And maybe even without us noticing or realizing, we can seek spiritual healing through self-mutilation, whether physically or emotionally. So let me talk for a moment tonight about atonement. What does it mean to be atoned? I thank God for this English word because it makes it very easy. What does it mean to be atoned? All you have to do is break that word into a couple of pieces. The, the dictionary definition means a reparation for a wrong or an injury. But more simply, the word atonement means to be together, to be at one mint. It is to come together in unity. The pagan world, the, the sinful world, the religious world seeks atonement through bodily affliction, but this only brings temporary euphoria of the mind. But God has something much better for us. And it is revealed in this holiday of Yom Kippur, the day of atonement. Verse 29 of our scripture again said that you shall afflict your souls and do no work at all. I want to tell you, God never asked you to harm yourself. He never asked you to afflict your body. In the New Testament, we know that Jesus, he had uh, certain statements like, if your hand causes you to sin, cut it off. But we know that he wasn't speaking literally. He was speaking metaphorically. He said, if there's a part of your life causing you to sin, then you ought to separate yourself, right? Paul made the statement that I, I beat my body daily, but he didn't mean that he took a whip and beat himself physically. Are you kidding me? He said, spiritually, I am disciplining myself so that I can live holy for God. The Bible never commanded you to hurt yourself physically. But it did call us to afflict our souls through prayer, through fasting, through humility. Do you see the difference? The bodily affliction only serves to break us down even more. But the soul affliction leads to at one with God. It is the difference between the sorrow which leads to death versus the sorrow which leads to life. Paul described the two, the sorrow which leads to death. It means when we beat ourselves up. It means when we cut ourselves down. It means when we, 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 we believe the lie of the enemy that says you could never do anything right. Yeah, we wallow in our self-pity and become a black hole of selfishness. That's the sorrow leading to death. But there's another kind of sorrow. The affliction of the soul, which leads to life. It's humility, repentance, confession. It's just as difficult, it's just as painful, but it's a soul affliction versus a bodily affliction. And this is what the Jews do every year on Yom Kippur as they afflict their souls together. Why? Because on verse 30, it tells us why tonight. On that day, the priest shall make atonement for you to cleanse you. 
that you may be clean from all your sins before the Lord. And so tonight, when we will seek the Lord in, in, in soul affliction, we will repent of sin in humility, then it is the priest who makes atonement for us. See, in the, in the Jewish tradition, back in the time when there was the temple in Jerusalem, this day of Yom Kippur was the one day that the high priest could enter into the most holy place. There was a long ritual of cleansing that took place. He would cleanse his hands and his body and his garments. He would cleanse his hair and his face and his beard. They would anoint the high priest of Israel with oil. He had a special garment that he would use just for this one day of the year. And they say that this garment would have bells along the hem all around his feet. And that is because uh, uh, as he entered that holy place, they're believing that all of the rituals would have been done correctly and that his sins would have been washed away. Because how many know you can't just walk into the holy place? You can't just walk in there. That place is holy. The Bible said that when they would send the high priest in there, they would even tie a rope around his waist. And you know why? Because if something had been done incorrectly, if there was still wickedness in the man's heart, if he had not been purified, then he would step into the holy place and he would drop dead. God would kill him. And they'd have to pull him out. Guess we'll wait for next year, boys. Now that's a holy place, isn't it? You want to make sure you have a holy man. The problem with that, there's no such thing as a holy man. That's why there's so much blood that had to be shed. And on that day of Yom Kippur, they would shed the blood. They would, they would make a ritual sacrifice. They would kill a bull and they would lay upon it all the sins of Israel. They would have these goats, one goat that would die on the altar. They would have another goat. They called it the scapegoat. And they would cast that goat out into the wilderness and there's a lot of sim symbolism there that I don't want to go into tonight. But all of these rituals were intended to bring cleansing, at one of the people of Israel with God. And now, I want to tell you about the great high priest that we have. In verse 30, the, great, the priest shall make atonement for you. But in Hebrews chapter 9 verse 11 it tells us who our great high priest is christ has now become the high priest over all the good things that have come he has entered the greater more perfect tabernacle in heaven not made by human hands and not part of this created world with his own blood not the blood of goats or calves he entered the most holy place once and for all and secured our redemption forever. When Jesus hung on the cross and his blood was shed, the Bible says that the moment that he died, that veil in the temple, there was a great curtain that hung between the holy place and the not-so-holy place. And that great curtain that was 20 feet tall and 5 inches thick, it was an incredible curtain. And the Bible says, from the top to the bottom was torn in half. And it was opened up. And all the, 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 the priests and the 
people who worked in the, in the temple that day, they would have been horrified because their eyes would have seen what they had never seen before, the most holy place. They would have been horrified. But God is the one who opened that curtain. Because when Jesus died on the cross, he's making a statement that holiness and the power of God and the spirit of God is no longer confined to a closet in the back of a temple. But the spirit of God is now available to anyone, not just the Jew, but the Gentile also. That if we would afflict our souls and come to him with humility and repentance and say, Lord, I'm sorry, forgive me. Then I want to tell you, we don't have to pay the price for our sins. We don't have to feel guilty. We can be at one with God. God had a better plan in mind all along. That's why, beloved, we are called throughout the New Testament to afflict our souls. Titus 2.12, teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lusts, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly. That is healthy soul affliction. Romans 6.12, do not let sin reign in your mortal body that you should obey its lusts. Romans 8.13, if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. James 4, verse 8, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Lament, mourn, and weep. That is healthy soul affliction. Let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy to gloom. You didn't hear that sermon from Joel Osteen. Humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord and he will lift you up. When we simply seek the Lord in humility, we bow our knee to him and say, God, I'm not going to beat myself up because Jesus, you were already beat up so that my sins could be cleansed. Isn't that good news tonight? That you, don't long, you no longer have to pay the price. Before we knew Jesus, yes, we were on the way to the devil's hell. Well, we would pay the price for all eternity for our sins, but that is no longer the case. If you've been made right with God, if you've turned to him and you've afflicted your soul in faith, the Bible truth says that our great high priest has made us at one with God. My challenge tonight, let's join together with the Jewish nation on this day of Yom Kippur and humble ourselves in the sight of the Lord God Almighty. Let's bow our heads and close our eyes for just a few moments as we close this service and as we believe God for at one This is the place. Right here at this altar tonight, this is the place where atonement can become yours. I want to tell you, the blood that was shed for you, there is no remission of sins without the shedding of blood.
There is a whole group of people in our world today that is harming themselves physically, emotionally, spiritually. The, the entire transgender movement that is happening in our culture today, I believe it's an extension of this tonight. People tormenting themselves, saying I was born in the wrong gender body. What is that except mental torment? Most of them, most people who suffer with that kind of view of themselves, many of them linked to horrible tragedies that have happened in their past. Assault. And I believe carrying the guilt of that assault in their hearts and in their minds that leads them to this self-affliction. But it doesn't have to be. Tonight in this place, no matter what you're dealing with, maybe you see this tendency in yourself, the tendency to beat yourself up, to belittle yourself, and to cast yourself down. Can I remind you tonight that Jesus said, no longer do I condemn you. No longer do I condemn you. Do you know why? Because he was already condemned so that we could be set free. And there's people here tonight that suffer with this mentality. Maybe it's in your past and maybe it's something that God is helping you to overcome, but it's there. A tendency, a trend in your soul. A need somehow to afflict yourself to pay a price. But the price has already been paid. And I want to encourage you tonight. The better way to deal with guilt and shame. The better way to be rid of sin is to bring it to the cross. So that you can be made at one. You can be atoned from your sins. And I wonder if there's someone here tonight, you say, Pastor, my heart is far from the Lord. I've been wandering from Him and I need salvation tonight. I need a new life with Christ. I would love to pray with you before we leave this place tonight. If that's you, just lift up your hand so I can see it. Someone here, God's speaking to you. And you know this is, this is, this is for you. You know you need this salvation. Is that you? Quickly tonight, you'd slip up your hand and say, I'm not saved, I'm not right with God, but I want to be before I leave this place. Let me see your hand tonight. Anyone at all, quickly. And church, we're going to open up this altar for prayer. Maybe there's someone you know that you want to lift up to the Lord this evening. You see a tendency, a trend like this in their life. Maybe you notice it in yourself tonight, and you're going to believe God that the atonement that was provided at the cross would be applied to your life, to their life. I believe God is speaking to some people here tonight. The best way to deal with sin is not by beating yourself up. It's not by afflicting your body. But it is tonight to afflict your soul through humility, prayer, fasting, repentance. If you will afflict your soul tonight, then your body will not have to be afflicted. And you will be made at one with God. That sounds pretty good to me. And so tonight, if the Lord's dealing with you, maybe God's speaking to you about something completely unrelated, but we want to open up this altar tonight, asking God's blessing, asking God's favor. Can we stand together in this place? We thank you again for listening. 
Do you want to receive updates from our church in your inbox? Make sure to sign up at our website, vbph.org. If this message has been a blessing to you, would you consider supporting our ministry with a generous donation? Please visit our website at vbph.org and scroll down to find the Give button at the bottom of the page. We would be so grateful for your support. Until next time, love God and love people.